Today is Tuesday, April 24th, 2018, and you're listening to the Official View News. I'm Greg Pollock. And I'm Adam Jar. Links to all the stories we talk about can be found in our weekly newsletter and on news.viewjs.org. Over on View Mastery last week, we released three more talks from ViewConf US. Sarah Drasner speaks on serverless functions in View, John Lindquist speaks on ViewRx, and Jen Looper speaks on creating an engaging native mobile app with Vue and NativeScript. People are buzzing about Evan Yu's latest creation, ViewPress. ViewPress is a static site generator which takes source files and dynamically generates an entirely static HTML website. So you might be wondering how ViewPress compares to Nuxt, because if you know Nuxt, you know it has a feature that creates a static version of your application by generating every route as an HTML file. In a new article on ViewMastery's blog, Derek Sozo compares ViewPress with Nuxt to help give you clarity on when you might want to choose ViewPress for your next project. So how does ViewPress compare? So with ViewPress, you get native compilation of your markdown files by default. But with Nuxt, you have to set up that compilation yourself. ViewPress also allows you to use view components in your markdown files, and you can use YAML, front matter, in your markdown to set up your titles, meta description, and other SEO-related tags on your individual pages. ViewPress is currently best for documentation sites, but it could technically be used for a blog or other similar static content, and features are on the roadmap to make it more blog-friendly. If you need something more dynamic, you'll probably still want to use Nuxt. Check out the article to learn more about ViewPress's default theme and i18n support. Historically, as a web developer, I've had limited ability to control the way the interface works, and, you know, whereas native developers, well... Yeah, it just seems easier for native developers to create custom interfaces that just have pretty transitions. Right, and it's important to have transitions between pages to reduce the customer's cognitive load. Luckily, Vue makes transitions and animations pretty simple. And in an article from Sarah Drasner this week, she walks through how you might create a navigation component that handles transitions between pages in a Nuxt app. I have to warn you though, the amazing transition she shows in the video at the top of the article is not what she teaches you to build out, but rather she teaches the simplest version of these concepts. Like what exactly? Well, in the article, she shows how to transition some SVG elements when a particular navigation item is clicked. It's the first step towards creating more advanced transitions that will compete with your native apps. We mentioned before how Vue CLI has moved to a plugin-based format. So instead of running npm install library dash dash saved add a dependency, now you can just install a plugin from the command line with view add and then the name of the plugin. This will search for that npm package, install it as a dev dependency in your project, and invoke it. So you might be wondering what it takes to create your own plugin. Seb L wrote a Medium article about it, and he explains how to create one. Interesting. So what does it take? Well, you'll need a readme and a package JSON file. Then you'll create a service file. This is where you can configure or extend your Webpack configuration to your needs, along with a generator file where you can update the package JSON or your main JS file. Also, you'll need a prompts file where you can add prompts that will be used when you invoke your plugin. When you're ready, just submit your plugin to npm. As you know, Vue makes it super simple to create presentational components. And this week, Rob Gedlin from State of Distributed Apps talked about how easy it was for him to wrap an SVG logo icon into a component so he could use it in many different places in his application. Interesting. So does the component have any props or functionality? This presentational component has two props. It has fill to specify our dark or light fill on the SVG and size. If you need to learn how to integrate WebSockets into your Vue app, there's now a four-part tutorial on how to make that happen with Socket.io. 
And what does socket.io do? Well, it streamlines setting up WebSockets to boost communication between the client and server. It also gives you additional functionality versus using just basic raw WebSockets. In the tutorial, Josh from SecDevOps shows how the library ViewSocket.io allows you to easily connect a server to a Vuex store with just a couple lines of code. When it comes to making your page responsive, CSS media queries will usually do the trick, but there are times when they may not give you the functionality you need. So what would be an example of that time? Well, Anton Kozik had a problem where he had a ton of reusable widgets on his page, and you know, sometimes there'd be one widget listed, think like single column, and sometimes three widgets right next to each other and three columns. Okay, so he couldn't rely on media queries which use screen size to change the layout of an HTML element. Right. He needed some way to change the layout based on the element's own size, not the total screen size. How can you measure that, though? Well, the good news is that there's a Resize Observer Browser API to do exactly this. The bad news is, is that not many browsers support it. However, the good news is, there's a polyfill for that, and Anton created a wrapper for Vue.js, which makes it easy to dynamically set the class based on the size of the element. And the good news is, there's no more bad news. <laughs> if your Vue app needs to upload files, you might consider checking out a tutorial by Krunal on file uploading using Vue Drop Zone. Vue Drop Zone is an open source JavaScript library that provides drag and drop file uploads with image previews. The tutorial walks you through how to set up Vue Drop Zone using Laravel backend. At some point, you'll need to implement a loading indicator on your app. Could be when your customer is uploading. Or you're processing payment or have a heavy computation going on. Right. And this week, Samuel Olorontoba wrote up a tutorial on a few ways to implement this in a reusable way. If you want a loader to show between pages, he shows how your router can hook into the before resolve and after each methods to start and stop loading animations. He even shows how to create a reusable loader component, amongst a few other techniques. Have you heard about error boundaries? Yeah, React has that, I think. This is where you set up a component to catch errors where they happen, instead of that error making its way through your app and making debugging a pain. Exactly. In his article, Dylan Chanis shows how you can create something similar utilizing the error captured hook, which was introduced in Vue 2.5. And how does that work? So for a component to be an error boundary component, it must have the error captured hook, and it'll need to conditionally render between a fallback UI that displays the error or its children. That's pretty much it. You just wrap it around something and it'll catch its child's errors. There are some caveats though. The error captured hook won't work on functional components, and it'll only work within render functions, watcher callbacks, lifecycle hooks, and component event handlers. Cloudinary recently published a Git book called Build a Mini Netflix Clone with Vue. In the tutorial, they walk through building a Vue app from scratch with Node and Mongo on the back end, along with how to use Cloudinary. So I've heard of Cloudinary a few times now, but when might I want to use them? You'd want to use Cloudinary when you have lots of users uploading images and video, and you need a way to host and transform these images and video into a standard format that you can serve back up to your users. Ah, uh, okay. So I assume this tutorial shows you how you might upload video to Cloudinary to serve back to users through a Netflix-like interface? Yeah. They even have a JavaScript upload widget, so your users can upload data straight to them, avoiding the need to upload to your server first and then move it over to cloud storage. Nice. So they take care of upload, storage, and all your image and video conversions. Yeah. So if you ever need to store and playback user videos or format large amounts of user images, this is where you might want to start before you build your own storage and conversion application. 
Speaking of building your own, if you're about to start a view project, you might want to check out a template to ensure you start with a solid foundation. Anthony Gore explores five templates worth looking into this week. But aren't templates pretty opinionated? They can be, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. The opinions in these templates are a result of a lot of professional trial and error, so you could be benefiting from learning from others' mistakes and inheriting best practices. Good point. And what are the best templates? So that's going to depend on what your needs are. Anthony Gore covers the best template for Webpack, another one for PWAs, for authentication, documentation, and one for GraphQL. Lastly, if you'd like to create a project using Firebase, your database in the cloud, Kunal Lathia wrote up a great starter tutorial showing you the very basics of bringing it into your view application. He shows how to connect to Firebase, add items, update items, and delete items. This podcast is sponsored by View Mastery. Throughout the week, we're sharing relevant view material and news and libraries over on our Twitter and Facebook. So if you haven't yet, you might want to take a moment to follow us there at View Mastery. See you next week.